Friday, the 13th, 1980, was a very unlucky day for the counselors at Camp Crystal Lake. The girl who survived that night disappeared 12 months later, vanished on Friday, the 13th, 1981. The body count continues. Friday, the 13th, part two, from Paramount Pictures, rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Welcome back. Another October episode. Yes, indeed. This is fun. Another sequel, but... Yeah. First I don't know, Friday movie, I don't know if the sequel surpasses the original, but it's full of cute boys. We'll get so into it. We're going to get into that. But everybody out there listening, my name's Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these are the movies that made us gay. Yes, Welcome indeed. back. Welcome back. Scott, why don't you talk a little bit about... What movie we watched and introduce our wonderful guest today. We watched Friday the, Friday the 13th Part 2, directed by Stephen Miner, released May 1st, 1981, with returning friend of ours and guest Jackson Cooper and his bestie Pickens. Mm. Welcome to the show. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello. Thank you for having us. You're very welcome. Yay. There you are. It's been a while <laughs> since we've had four people on a call be. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I we've done it before. Way. It's so much fun. I, I know. know. We'll try to we'll try to break through the cacophony and make it a cohesive conversation. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so Friday the 13th Part 2. And Jackson, another movie released <gasps> in the early 80s. Mommy Dearest, your first episode, another movie from 1981, and I believe Can't Stop the Music was 82. So you get like we we get you for the early 80s movies. I'm I'm into it. I'm into it. And this is also um I'm not the Friday the thirteenth expert, but Pickens is, so I was very excited oh, when gosh. we could this. But Sweet. yeah, I'm 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 into the early eighties, even though I was definitely not born then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was definitely around. wasn't born then. <laughs> I was around. Uh I was very, very young. But uh but I was around and I definitely do not rec- eighty what year is this? 82? Eighty two? Uh eighty one. Eighty one. So I mean I have vague memories of like E. T. but mostly on home you know, home video. Yeah. So for, for stuff like oh, yeah. this I was not, you know, <laughs> like watching. Well movies. the well the early eighties were great because it was it was like 81 was, I think, American Werewolf and mm-hmm. Evil Dead. And then, like, 82 was, like, Poltergeist in the thing. So it was mm-hmm. just this, like, boom of, I, I don't know. It's just, you got so much, so much excess, like, um, big. 82 movie. also had Slumber Party Massacre, Jackson. Ooh, you need to respect so the sorry classic. about that. Yeah. <laughs> the timeline correct. Which I think the, re- the remake is actually premiering tonight of recording, um, tonight on the 16th. There's so, a remake of Slumber Party yes, Massacre? Watch the remake. Apparently, it's really good from oh, what I've heard. I didn't heard. know that. Oh, we'll have okay. to look that up. Okay, okay. So, should we start with just our backgrounds with the Friday movies? The, yeah, the Friday franchise. Oh. Pickens, you've been described as a Friday expert. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I, mean, I discovered them um, when, I was, when I started watching horror movies, which is like when I was in... Oh gosh, when was this? I was like probably like early teens. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was going through all of them. I saw Halloween, I ran Elm Street, and then I started renting the Friday the thirteenth movies. And I think out of all of them, I think I consistently like the most of Friday the thirteenth. They are the most consistently good ones. Cause Halloween's kind of hit or miss. Nightmare mm-hmm. on Elm Street's kind of up and down. Friday the thirteenth is pretty consistent. My favorite are the are the first four they're like the best and right. then you know yeah a little decline yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah 
So, yeah, so my favorite, I like the first four. I will say, I do think the second one, this the one that we're talking about, is actually out of the four my least favorites. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, but <laughs> hottest men. So, yes. you know. Yeah, that's why I wanted to pick it. That's why I wanted to do it's, it. And definitely big sexual awakening. The whole movie, yeah. all the, the yeah. first four is definitely big sexual awakening. I was like, Huh, I really like these menses in this film. Okay. I want to be a camp counselor when I grow up. I know. It's so much fun. It's it's definitely simp central. That's what I was uh Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pickens uh uh I I know Friday, so I've seen the first a lot. I actually there was a movie theater um, I used to work out in Raleigh that we showed the first one on like a really shitty 35 millimeter print for a long time. And, um, oh, so we showed it like every October and I worked there for like two and a half years and it was great. And then I knew about the fourth one because of Pickens, uh, co-created a podcast called cocktail party massacre. And they talked about, uh, the final chapter um, mm-hmm, so which I is watched part four, that. which is not right. Yeah, <laughs> and then I I watched that, and then this was well, three D. Pickens, do you want to tell the story about the three D print that you saw? Because oh, yeah, Friday the three D was the, like super hard. The to find. miracle that I never thought was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first time I watched Friday the Thirteenth three D was on the Paramount release DVD. So you know it was only oh, in two okay. D, and I was just like, ugh. And then at the time when IMDb still had message boards back in those days, um, (laughs) I remember everyone distinctly always talked about, this is the best 3D I've ever seen in a movie. And I was so upset that I was like, oh, I want to see it so bad. Then they released that horrible um, blue and cyan, Mm. the red and cyan version, which was awful. It did not work. I was so devastated. And like for my whole life, I was just like, if I ever, like, if I ever get opted into that make a wish program or if i could like just have one thing happen i just want to see an actual cut of this movie in 35 millimeter and 3d i i wrote it off it was never gonna happen then i was dating this guy at the time and in yonkers new york the alamo draft house was Uh thank god for the alamo draft house they were doing this 3d 3d movie-a-thon and they were showing Jaws 3D, Amityville 3D, and of course Friday the 13th 3D. Wow! I was like, you know what? I'm never going to see this movie in 3D ever. This is my once in a lifetime chance opportunity. So I drove eight and a half hours to New York <laughs> to sit all day in a movie theater and watch these movies in 3D. And I can I can say. It is the best 3D movie I have ever seen. It was incredible. <laughs> and then a year later, it came to um, a local theater here, the Carolina Theater. Oh, wow. Um, this guy, Jim, he brought it He brought it there, and they showed it. And I was like, if I just waited a year, I wouldn't have to drive eight and a half hours. But you know what? I think the journey made the movie even more worth but it. But you wouldn't so. have been able to no see You wouldn't have been able to see the masterpiece that is Amityville 3D and oh, know yes. that it's... Oh, I know. Which, oh, such, I know. Which was the <laughs> greatest film ever made. <laughs> Not. We have Ugh. the box set. Of yeah. The Friday the 13th box set. There's and a 3D transfer in as it. As we're, as a, you know, I'm looking at the... Yeah. The, the, 
part three and it says 3D, but it doesn't have anything on there saying mm-hmm. like it requires glasses, it requires a 3D TV. So I'm thinking maybe it's just going to be, you know, the weird lenticular glasses but we have a 3d yeah. tv so i was like let's just try let's it out see if it works boom it works <laughs> my boyfriend no way, that's awesome. <laughs> my boyfriend has it and i'm actually so um the carolina theater that also showed uh part three and 3d um they do so every year they do this thing called splatter flicks which is this like marathon of horror films through mm-hmm. the weekend and they just did theirs and they were doing the final chapter this year okay so i basically was like you need to come see the final chapter but you need to watch the first three with me so we i showed him part one two and then uh he actually has a 3d tv so we were able to watch it in 3d on the tv and i agree it it's it I, it actually looks better than the 35 millimeter print, which see now, see now I have I have to get a 3D TV because I haven't seen it in 3D. I just saw that shitty Paramount <sighs> DVD yeah. box. Or Jackson, here's a better idea: you could come visit again, there and you know. can come watch it with me. Perfect. Let me say this about 3D TVs. Mm-hmm. You know, let me just be an advocate. I feel like it is a better experience than in the theater. Generally, the 3D does look the, better on the, in like yeah. a home yeah. setting. Yeah. Well, yeah, because really they're cool. able to like digitize and you know they can do they can make it perfectly aligned and everything. Yeah. So yeah, it's especially on like older the, movies like this, you don't have yeah. to worry about a, pro- a projectionist. Make sure everything's like perfectly aligned mm-hmm. and. The print, you know, it's it's like what forty years old now, so yeah. it's seen some better days. So yeah, yeah. Scott, why don't yeah. you talk a little bit about your uh, Friday the Thirteenth kind of like awakening when you so, came around to the? I think that part two, the movie that we're talking about today, was the first one that I watched. Oh, I think wow. that's why huh? I like it the most. I remember watching it at a friend's sleepover, and I believe <laughs> that it was on TNT on Monster Vision with Joe Bob Briggs. Mm. I remember cool. that Joe was Bob. a part of the lineup, and I just remember really liking the chase scene of this movie yes! with Amy Steele. <laughs> I think that Amy Steele kind of was the one that really jumped out at me of that, like, this bitch is cool. Okay. Like she's out running Jason and that was the first one that I watched. And I feel like I didn't really watch all of the sequels until probably later in my twenties. Right. Too. Okay. So I didn't really grow up watching them a lot, but I was definitely familiar with part two just because of its television airings. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Mm. And, uh, Jackson, did you give us your uh, your Friday the Thirteenth kind of like awakening story? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it was. I think it was watching it on. I mean, it was what Kevin Bacon in the first one. Yes, right? yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Kevin Bacon. I think it was watching Kevin Bacon in that speedo first, watching the first one. <laughs> I, but I liked. I was. I don't know. I was very anti sequels and series when I was starting to like explore horror because Friday 13th interestingly was like the horror movie that is the reason kind of or the franchise it it franchised itself so much that it's like why we are we roll our eyes with sequels and stuff like that so so I kind of avoided Friday 13th until I think like tail end of college and then I watched the first one and I was like oh Kevin Bacon's hot. Like he's <laughs> hot. <laughs> I was like, like he's hot. Yeah, hot. yeah. And I, that's why I kept watching it over and over. But even watching this one last night, I was really ashamed it took me this long to watch part two because yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ, if I had watched that as a kid. Solid. Yeah. Daddies. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I actually like shamed myself. I was like, and I thought Kevin Bacon was hot. Like, <laughs> I mean, until you so laid your stupid. eyes on Russell I'm Todd, Russell Todd and those like, beautiful eyes, all these gorgeous men, and yeah. Paul, the, the guy, the Paul, Paul guy, I was yeah. just like, oh. Dreaming. So, so as a kid, Scotty, 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 who's great. As a kid, I was obviously the right age and obsessed with uh, like Corey Feldman movies. I was obsessed with the Goonies. I was obsessed with Stand by Me. Those Mm -hmm. were my movies growing up because I'm that age, like exactly right. So when Final Chapter came around, I was like, oh shit, it's Mouth. And he's in a horror movie, you know, and just loved it. But a problem that I had as a kid, just kind of being a casual viewer, a child, and having access to these on basic cable when they would come around. So it would be one of those things where it's like I'll watch it from whatever point it's at in the movie. Yeah. So it kind of turned into this thing where they sort of the first four and maybe the next one, the new beginning, kind of bled into each other. And I couldn't see the distinction of one to yeah. the other. Um, when you watch them, now that we have these beautiful box sets and everything, um, we're able to watch them all the way through and see the progression. And, um, you know, I even remember sitting in the movie theater and scream. And, you know, the big gag at the beginning when he's like, who's the killer in Friday the 13th? And she's like, Jason, it's Jason. And he's like, no, bitch, I gotcha. It was Mrs. Voorhees. Yeah, you know, and that realization where the glass shatters in your brain and you're like, he doesn't get the mask until the third movie, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So there is a little bit something more to this as a franchise that people kind of don't remember. And you just think, yeah, it's Jason. Yeah, it's a hockey mask and all that. But these first two, they were kind kind of of figuring it out as they were making the movies. Oh, yeah, big time. Well, yeah, this one was super like. Like, even, like, I know that the writer of the first one hated the fact that they were doing this one because he thought it was so stupid that Jason was the killer. Right. And it was so rushed into production. They were kind of like, we need a killer. Uh, uh, Jason, here's an idea. It was (laughs) so, like, put together at the last minute. Well, and I liked liked, liked the tidbit, too, going back to the franchise, Pete, what you were saying, where it was, like, I think if I recall, this was the first horror movie that, like, or franchise series where it's like the sequel came out literally a year after yeah. the original. Literally a year. So it, it was, was like, so so kind of like yeah. banked on this, you know, the, the success of the first and they just sort of pumped them out. Cause I think Halloween two took at least. Halloween two was years. the same. Halloween two is the same year. This one came out, right. but, but I think it's because of the success of the first Friday right. the 13th is why they're like, Oh, we need to do a sequel. Yeah. Which interestingly, Halloween two and this one both feature a cop character getting killed with a hammer in the head. Oh sure. Oh yeah, yeah. the back of the hammer. Gross. Well, and I was reading mm-hmm. that the idea was kind of like what John Carpenter wanted to do with Halloween three season of the witch, that it was going to originally be an anthology mm-hmm. movie that would have just been a spooky Friday the thirteenth tale and just the public was not having it. And yeah. see, I really mm-hmm. I really want 
I wish I could live in an alternative timeline where that was <laughs> successful. Cause I would love to see what they would have done with both of these. Like what Friday the 13th myths could we go with? What were the Halloween stuff there? Like yeah. I would have loved to see what those were going to be. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And yeah, when you kind of break down the first movie, it really does work kind of perfect as this little capsule story mm-hmm. with Mrs. Voorhees and Jason is the little boy and all that. And when you do mm-hmm. think about it, it's like, the misdirect is kind of genius. Yeah. Well, but oh, also yeah. also the idea of Jason and, you know, they kind of show it in this movie where they're telling the little campfire story and mm-hmm. what's his name jumps out and he's like hot nerd. He's like an animal skin. Yep. You know, because it's like, yeah, what would Jason, how would Jason be surviving like in these woods alone for 20 years? Would he just be like this ragged hobo, you know? Well, one of my, <laughs> one of my critiques of the movie and watching it last night was like, Wait, how do you get all these clothes? Yeah. And I was watching with my friend and I was like, he's been alive for five years. He's killing people and taking their clothes. And it's just. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at least with Halloween. That's my favorite thing about this movie is that part two, three, and four all take place five, like Min- in 1984, yeah. technically. And it's just the timeline of the Friday the 13th movies are hysterical to me because most, most of them take place in the future. Of sure. when they were actually like released and stuff, and I love the fact that this is supposed to be 1984, but it's clearly just still like the super early 80s. Yeah, yeah. And then the rest of the movies yeah. are and all within a weekend. Yeah, I was going to say the rest of the movies are essentially like later that night, right? Like just continuing like mm-hmm. day after day. Yeah. After so day. part two, yeah, part three takes place a day after part two, and then part. F- Four takes place like two days. Like part two, part four technically takes place like on a Tuesday, really. So <laughs> sure. it's not even a week. It all it's started just, on these Friday. Random kids <laughs> yeah. have just this free time to go to the lake yeah. on a Tuesday yeah. out of the blue and just <laughs> go there. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's the so one with, we, we and turn that's, our brain off. <laughs> and that's the one with Crispin Glover. Yes, right. Yes. Yes. super cute. Yes. Super yes. cute. Oh, Crispin Glover. Iconic. Iconic. So my boyfriend. So he just watched all of these for the first time. I actually really didn't have any like realization of Jason or anything. So mm-hmm. he like came in as a complete newbie. Oh, cool. Part four was his. Yeah, part four was his favorite. He did like that the most because he was like. Oh, this is fun. I like the character. Oh, this guy's funny. You know, what is, he, what is he it? A, this a one he was like, this one was rushed. And I was like, yeah, part two was rushed. It, it was. So he liked three and four the most. He did not really care for parts one and two, which I find kind of fascinating. Interesting. You know, part two does feel a little rushed, but at the end of the day, it's a brisk 88 yeah. minutes and it goes by. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's a fun watch. I was- one of the was, very few with full frontal nudity. You oh, know? I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna defend it because I actually thought it was a lot slower mm. than the first one, um, mm-hmm. but I thought it worked in its advantage. Like it just, there were like certain aspects that felt like extremely atmospheric, and I was like, oh, this is like the way they did the lighting mm-hmm. and in some things, especially like and Amy Steele is yeah, iconic. but like the whole Love the her. whole the whole like even opening the first scene i was like right. it was just yeah. so well done well, so well i, I want to talk... have a note about that first scene well i want to talk I a little bit this... about that wait what oh. uh, yeah um i want to talk a little bit about that because we were mentioning amy Steele and how great she is but in you know in the first movie we have um adrian king as alice 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's brought back for this movie. And, you know, it's got that very kind of like Evil Dead 2 kind of a feel. Definitely, yeah. Where they just give you that like little snippet of the first movie. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, what you were going to say. And then we can talk about Adrian King and, and kind of some reasoning for her not being the girl in this movie. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is actually... I said it's the second longest, most unnecessary flashback oh, scene, yeah. in my oh, opinion, because yeah. <laughs> you essentially watch the last half of the movie. The first unnecessary flashback scene is all of Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, because that whole movie's a flashback scene. But yeah, but yeah no, I, fa- but I found out this, this out when I was watching, this whole sequence with Adrian King was actually improvised. Yep. The whole, yeah, I read that. They didn't have a mm-hmm. script with this part, because she, she said she would come back for a short scene because of the stalker guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's so like, interesting it's so interesting that Adrian King after the success of the first Friday the 13th um found herself with a a pretty intense stalker with that, multiple stalkers I think. Very intense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that made his way into her home and you know um all of this stuff so she kind of like faded out of the public eye but she still made her way she still worked in the entertainment industry doing voiceover she, work she does a lot of adr work for major hollywood movies able oh able, yeah able to stay she just did active, an audiobook but, that i just listened to the final girl support group she narrated the whole audiobook oh, it was cool. really surreal oh, it's great. really good highly recommend if you guys haven't yeah. read it yet the oh. final girl support group super great yeah very interesting that she was able to stay kind of you know doing voiceover doing acting but out of the public eye you know mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. and it's it's just so unfortunate that this you know this stalker issue you know kind of forced her into this you know um behind the scenes kind of a uh, career yeah yeah because let's be real out of everyone in the first movie i think she's probably the strongest actress oh, yeah. out of everybody in the first movie <laughs> yeah. yes yes so uh and i mean is that like did that really is that a fit this scene this opening scene with her in in the apartment and the head in the refrigerator mm-hmm. did that really happen? Sure. Like I, I was gonna say, like the like given. <laughs> well, yeah, because her body's that- in the her body. It didn't really happen because her body's in the very end um, with like all the bodies. Oh, was she in there? By the oh, head I didn't notice that. In the oh, okay, scene. it's the one that's most decomposed. Okay. All right. Okay, that makes sense. So he's just carrying mom's head around. Yeah. To go shove it in, yeah, you know, fridges. just just surprise, bitch. All right, all yep. right. So he's yeah. he's he's playing with her. Okay, so all right. From there, we get straight to the camp, and again, we were talking about like the hot dudes in this in this movie and so, in this franchise altogether. But there's something about how early '80s all of these guys look. Well, not only that, <laughs> they all look so early '80s. But there's something about in part one and part two, like the head counselor guy that oh, I'm yeah. just like, all right. The shorty shorts mm-hmm. and the mustaches Daddy. and yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's but it's also that like that eighties movie thing where it's like all the they're obviously like they could also fit into like a college comedy. Mm. Oh yeah, know, starring Rodney Dangerfield like, or something. They're almost, <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Like they totally yeah. are in. They were on their way to a sex comedy and made a wrong turn. It ended up in a horror. Movie. These are definitely yeah. actors that would be in like meatballs. Yeah, and yeah. also like the. Here's the, my question though. Do these 
So they're at like a camp counseling training center. Do these <laughs> yeah. things actually exist? I, I was asking that or last was night. this something that was written for the movie? I was, I was, I was wondering. I was wondering that too, Pickens, because I was like, the the, uh, the the head guy makes like that speech about like, well, you're becoming a camp counselor and stuff, and then it's like, well, what it's are like, you? Is there is there, is there extensive training that goes into being a camp counselor? Yeah, I don't know, yeah. but they're like teaching survival skills. Too, so it's it's not quite yeah, like, like a traditional the- camp that like rich kids go to. Like they're go like it's something that you would send like bad kids, yeah. To, like train <laughs> them how to survive <laughs> out in the wilderness to go fight bears. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, the whole bear, bear country, the whole bear thing with this main camp counselor. I'm just like, do we have to share this at the main meeting about like menstrual cycles? <laughs> it's just like, oh my god, I, Paul, I wrote that please. down. I wrote that down, like, women. Watch out for wearing perfume, and all of a sudden, I was like, yeah. okay, sexist. Okay, I see how it is. Also, like, clean up your menstrual or clean up after your cycle. I was like, Jesus. Yikes. <laughs> maybe maybe just give the that to them in a pamphlet. Good, <laughs> I mean, I, early 80s, I guess. But uh, I love the idea that's, I kind of think it stays through most of these movies at this, there's always a prankster. Oh, yeah. There's always mm. the funny guy. This sexy nerd that is just shredded. Ted. Ted. I mean, he looks like oh, he weighs probably 115 pounds. Oh. <laughs> and we we were noticing that Ted disappears the later half of the movie because Ted's fucking the bartender. He's the bar. He's probably Ted, doing some no, lines with some no, guys in the there, bathroom. Yeah. There, there's a good 45 minutes between that prank and then Ted at the bar. Yeah. He shows yeah. up and I was like, and he's like shredded. He's so for, ripped. Like, yeah. It's such a twink. He's shredded. Super ripped. Um, t- yeah. Ted's at the bar. He, he has the hots for the bartender and then they cut back to him way later and he's just like, Blasted out of his mind, and he's just like, "Hey, where's the after hours?" Yeah, the guy's like, "Oh yeah, I got to you." This like weird old daddy yep. kind of guy yeah. with the like long, uh, 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 you know, yeah. It's just yeah. So, so, yeah. so Ted's, tra- Ted's I trying to get see his that movie. I want to see yeah. what happens to like them going to the after hours and then coming coming back probably really drunk and just being like, "Holy what the shit, fuck just happened." <laughs> this bar that looks like it's like straight out of Porky's or something. That bar it, looks it's crazy. straight out of Jaws three. Like it's, sure. yes. it's almost it is, it looks like mm-hmm. the exact same kind of bar that they were in in Jaws three. And they're not they're yep. not playing that weird hands game that I've never seen before yep. or since from mm-hmm. Jaws three. That hand, <laughs> that hand slap. I think thing. that's only for the franchise. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This will catch on with the kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there's our core group of like hot boys and like girls that get murdered but when they do go to the um to the bar there they take the they take the convertible beetle and then they take that cool ass chevy but it's the top fucking track. it's fucking full of kids there's yeah. like 30 yeah. counselors in there mm-hmm. how many kids are, are at that- this camp the only other thing i i argue with also is they say they only have two cars but then um, later on in the movie, what's your face? The one that's hooking up with uh, with Scott, the guy in the wheelchair, mm-hmm. or not, not Scott, the guy in the Paul, uh, the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah, she like has her own car, and it was like, but they said they only had two. So also, how did they all get there? Too, there's so <laughs> they much, oh. all hitchhiked. Yeah, probably. Uh, where does where does Ted sleep? I I was like trying to count the cabins. 
has <laughs> with people, and I was like, this is mathematically not correct. Um, actually, if you play the Friday the 13th video game, you'll oh, see there's Lord. other cabins on the Part 2 set. Oh, so, like, Lord. you know, it was, just wasn't featured. And this <laughs> is, like, a neighboring... This is not technically Crystal Lake. This is like, well, is this is this across the lake? It's not Camp Blood. Yeah, it's near. It's near yeah. it. It's yeah. like a. It's, it's like, like a up the, It's up the road from. It's up the road from it. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. So we have uh, Paul, who is like the head counselor, and so Ginny, Amy Steele, our our hero, is she kind of like the head girl counselor? Or is she just hooking up with Paul? I, I think assistant. I think hook. Mm-hmm. What I think is, I think she was hooking up. She is a child psychologist. I think in, she's in school for child psychology. Okay. So I think she needed a summer gig, and she was porking this dude. Yeah. And he was just like, "Hey, you know what? You want to make some money? Come, that's come here, and just help you're, out." You're right, Pickens, because that's kind of the narrative, especially when they're like having that weird banter where he's like, he's like. Child psychology can't help the car, and then she like starts <laughs> yeah, the car in his face. But well, then- there's also a cutout subplot that she's pregnant. Remember that thing that she yeah. said, oh, I have to tell you, and she never right. does. That's mm-hmm. what it was that she's pregnant. Oh, my and lord, that was cut out of the movie. Wow, That's I noticed that little that line of dialogue that wasn't paid off last night. Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't even catch yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Catch yeah, because she's like, There's something I have to tell you, and then he starts making out with her, and then. Yeah, that's what apparently was supposed to be. She was supposed to be pregnant. Okay, all right. So, yeah, and then, like, she arrives, and she arrives super late. She's very, like, cavalier about just, like... Yeah, she's late a lot. Hey, hello. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, she's very just like, eh, I'm here, whatever, who cares? She doesn't really, like, pay attention to the whole, like... She's kind of like, it's fine, whatever. Yeah. Actually, it was funny, because when my boyfriend watched it, he was like, oh, she's going to die. She's about to die. She's (laughs) first to die. And I was like... Oh yeah, sure. Just wait. Yeah. Well, and there's something how uh, uh, the first one and this one introduced their main heroines. They're not introduced until like the yeah. first twenty five minutes of yeah. the movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, to Pickens' point, I mean, it's like you you think she's the weakest, and then mm-hmm. she ends up, you know, or she's and not a virgin, her. which goes back to that theme yeah. is that everyone tries to say that slash movies are. Only the virgin survive. She's not a virgin technically. Yeah, she like true. hooks up with Paul. Yeah, it's you know, yeah, Mm-mm. very interesting. So okay, so we we have Paul, the like hot head counselor. We talked a little bit about Ted, the super shredded nerdy prankster, the shredded nerd. Um, let, let's kind of go through uh, the guys here. We've got <laughs> there's Jeff in that newsboy cap. Jeff is like so. Is so seventies and eighties looking. I can't stand it. I called Je- I called Jeff um, rip off Kevin Bacon. Sure, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because he's dressed. He's in a white beater, mm-hmm. kind of the same hairstyle. So I always call him Kevin Bacon, but like lower, like low grade yeah. Kevin Bacon. I was reading that the but girl, great sexy. I was reading that the girl was underage. She was like sixteen yes, years old. Really, nudity scene. So wild. They, they had about to, her age, they had and then to they did cut a her top, front, like, her top scene. really graphic sex scene. And then, then they, it came out that she was only sixteen. Yeah. Oh my god! The, and if you watch it, yeah. if you pay attention, oh, she looks young. Their sex scene does feel a little cut up. Well, I yeah, feel like, it's yeah. like 
you only, only see her. Is. Yeah, you only see her from like the neck. Up. Well, I feel like there was also some ratings issue with that scene yeah. in particular that they this had to the cut first to one get where the R MK rating. Became yeah. the real villain of the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. they were like, we yeah. we don't like the, this trend. Because what it was that Pickens what Pickens wasn't it the fourth that they had to cut the gore. Well, no, actually, they were they were much more lenient with the fourth one because, in my opinion, it's the most graphic, like gore wise, yeah. and nudity. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because they were saying this is the last one, so yeah. I think they kind of gave them a little bit of a pass. But yeah, no, because of because at this point with part two coming out, there have been like over a hundred slasher movies that mm-hmm. came out, yeah, right, and you know. Reaganomics and conservative <laughs> media, they were so offended by this and they wanted to like cut all this out. So I think part seven is the one that's been the most most destroyed by the right. MPAA. Got it. Is Got part it. seven yeah. Jason goes to hell? No, 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 no. No, part seven's the telekinesis girl. Oh sure, sure, Carrie sure. Yeah. Jason. yeah. Carrie meets uh, they, like Jason Carrie meets Jerry. It's so yeah. sad because like if you watch the uncut versions of the scenes, they're so great. The makeup effect artist did a great job, but everything's cut from the movie. Got it. So okay, yeah. so in this movie, we get introduced early to Jeff and Sandra, and Sandra is all over Jeff. Oh yeah, like in these early scenes, she is she's like sixteen years old, and Marta yeah, Cobra, the actress, like yeah, is like a child, and you're just like this <laughs> is. Insane. Yeah, just not wearing a bra, you know, yeah. perky and just like ah, yeah, like, like this macrame this, top. This girl has just I run away from home this and she booked also. a Friday movie. Yeah, she yeah she. And, <laughs> but I mean, hey, she's killing it. So yeah, so Jeff is kind of our discount uh, Kevin Bacon, and then we get um, Mark played by Tom McBride. Mm-hmm. Mark so, is in a wheelchair. Yeah, and his just has Mark's this, the guy in the wheelchair, yes, right? And he just has this angel face. And so, were you guys yeah. doing some reading on on Tom McBride and just sort of what uh, kind of his his past was and when he passed away in '95? So, was an out yeah, actor, a real life gay, and he yeah. died of AIDS. And he made yeah. a documentary yeah. with his partner. I think it's called Life and Death on the A List. And he was also a Winston cigarette model, and he would do billboards. Wow. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely like an '80s cigarette model face <laughs> that you would just see oh, pictures yeah. of him in well, like People magazine. The, his love interest in the movie, in real life, she was actually really interested in him. Like, and we can tell, like, love she's it. not acting. Sure. Like, oh, she, actually, no, she, I didn't I, do that. I made a note about that too. I was like, she's super believable. In she's third. Well, no, because in real life, she was thirsty. Her. However, he he is given a lot of gay shit mm-hmm. happening. Like, yeah, and it, that's the up, thing. He's looking up when uh, when Paul it was Paul goes upstairs. Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And the, and he like looks up, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oops, someone wants to go up and join." Yeah, yeah he is very Speaking interested in what's going on up there. Speaking of going upstairs, my thing, the thing that I laughed out about the most in the movie is that when Mark is killed. Her first instinct when she notices she, he's missing, she goes upstairs to look for him, which is <laughs> why would you? He's in a wheelchair. How? How? Why would your instinct be? Where's Mark? I'm gonna go upstairs go to look there. for him. But it's like, what do you do? Crawl up there? Oh like, is there an elevator that we don't see? What? I love it. Oh man, yeah. That would have made it. That would have made a good a good kill. What what movie is that in? Where they? Oh, Gremlins. It would have been a Gremlins moment. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> if there was a little. 
chairlift. The chair him. elevator. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. With the person who skyrocketed at all. Yes. But but Mark is super dreamy. He's mm-hmm. got the he's got this beautiful face, and I mean, machete to the face. Uh, Ooh, that shot of him going down those stairs. That machete to the face, so sad. That is so good. Such an effective shot. Yes. Uh, Atmospheric, uh, as you said, Jackson. It was a very, it's also a lot of stairs. A lot of stairs. What do we think he was training for? Because he always was talking about, I'm in training. What do we think he was training for? He could be doing like basketball in his wheelchair or something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's true. mm -hmm. Yeah. Pull-ups, pull-up competition. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about Scott, played uh, by Russell Todd. So Russell Daddy. Todd, so Russell good. Todd is one of my favorite himbos in these movies from the eighties. Russell Todd is also in Where the Boys Are. Alan Carr is yeah. Where the Boys Are. Okay, he's the main yep. piece that all the girls are trying to are trying to sleep with in that movie. Yes. Um, super cute in that movie. Um, Those eyes. Those yeah. eyes. He's in Chopping Mall. Yes. A movie that we love. Oh, oh, oh that's right. Yeah. He is in Chopping Mall. He does get killed early in that one. He does, right? yes. Like the mm-hmm. he's one of the first, I think. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love Chopping Mall. He's in he's so in good. the main scene though where where they are all fucking each other in the in the mattress store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in front of each and other. other. Yeah. Other my we own, we, we're in a mattress. We're in a furniture store. Let's just throw a party here. Yeah, <laughs> kill robots. And for, for me, it's his eyes and his jawline. Yeah. Like I yeah. remember this. I was like, that's not a typical '80s look. But right, he's yeah. I am sad up. that Jeff got wasted with the sex scene because I would much rather have like give it to Scott or give it to Mark. Give give someone else the sex scene. Why did it have to be Jeff? Um, I mean, we're talking about his eyes. He does have these dreamy ice blue eyes. He's got a great jawline. But, I mean, I would be remiss if we did not talk about those DSLs. Oh, yeah. I mean, he has got... <laughs> those lips. These bee-stung, puffy, pillowy lips. Get For out of here. real. For <laughs> oh real. God. And he, and he loves love animals. This. And he loves animals. Yes, so, even yeah. better. Okay, and he loves ass. He does. Well, let me he let me slots. let me slots. say this about Russell Todd. When you scroll through his IMDb images, he has these what appear to be semi recent because he's got like some gray hair. These like beefcake. Oh pictures. yeah, he knows his audience. But the thing is, when you look at him in these beefcake pictures, his underwear is peeking through his his jeans. Guess what brand? Oh, and what brand of underwear is he wearing? But Andrew Christian. He knows his audience. Gay. 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 He knows what the gays want. Gay. Confirmed. Confirmed. Andrew Christian. I'm actually wearing Andrew Christian right now. I mean, come on. Gay. What straight man is going to wear Andrew Christian's in a photo shoot? That's his subtle... Uh, One that wants the gay gay vote. Yes. That's his not-so-subtle wink and a nudge to all of us queers going, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Russell Todd. I when I was looking up pictures of him um, uh, last night for for no reason except research, oh yeah sure oh, yeah podcast, purely reason um, of course oh. there was they showed also photos of oh. like him side oh. by side of him, him side by side with um, John Robert Dixon from oh man look at that <laughs> oh the ensuing armpit. Nothing, nothing, nothing better. Nothing better on an audio podcast than talking than about photos. photos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's what the Instagram's for. Everyone, Google Russell Todd and just, <laughs> oof. 
But but they showed a picture of John Robert Dixon from Part Five, like right next to him, and how like he's they, they again. They just are these hot guys in the Friday Thirteenth. I mean, we got to give it to the franchise. They do know their audiences of straight women, horny men, and uh, gay. <laughs> I think they, they do. They do do equal casting. They do equal casting of hot men, hot girls, and I do think. At least for the first three, at least for the first four, I do think that both are exploited. Maybe the girls are more exploited, more with the nudity, but I do think there is equal lusting for both. Oh, sure, yeah, the party members for sure. Yeah, expect, like part three, the Andy uh, with the yeah. six pack with his pulling the. <laughs> <laughs> that was my that was my gay awakening. That was my like yeah. oh because he's sweaty oh. Yeah, and I mean, there's just the that amount of like guys in cut off denim short shorts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just something about the the, this era. You know, it's this era yeah. of the '80s that it's this thing that like ki- I feel like kids now and like Gen Z, like if they just think '80s slasher, they just have these images of. Yeah, like you said, mm-hmm. Sleepaway Camp, this movie. And um, I think with, with the guys, it was probably unintentional. I feel like yeah. the, like the, the character of Paul in this movie and the, the head counselor in the first movie, chopping wood and like cut off shirtless, yep. shirtless with, the, with the hanky. That's completely unintentionally sexy. Oh, thousand percent. I um, mean, and like, and like, it's interesting in, because again, this is like that era of like, hard rock and metal music videos where it's like all the sweaty guys in the, you know, in the warehouse. And hair metal with like feminine men being more feminized. So then also in terms of like movie history, like this was starting to get into the Reagan era where it was like you, you, like buff men showing their arms and muscles because they were masculine yeah. men. And, well, so and also, get, and, it, and it's like we men, watch it like now, but we watch it now, and it's like the gayest shit ever. Yeah, but back well, then, well, it was like, men tried but back to. Then, but back then, sorry, Pickens, I was just gonna say, like back oh, no, then, it was like it was like straight men. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, also, like, gay men really try to buff up because yes. they didn't want to, you know, that was a sign that you're healthy because if you had AIDS, you were weak and, like, right. thin and, like, you know, not well. And also I, taking I, I, back masculinity from the whole, like, Nelly kind of, like, you know, uh, aesthetic of, like, of gay men. I think there was also that that clone look in the early 80s, that that super buff look mm. is was also gay men re-embracing masculinity from straight people that didn't think that gay men could be masculine. So it's, like, also exactly. all of that, yeah. all of those factors I are coming into play at the same time. I saw a great quote one time where they said the 80s was the most homoerotic period of all time <laughs> while being the most homophobic sure. yeah. period right. of all time. So totally. it's, like... Yeah, because we we see it all. Like, you can't watch Sleepaway Camp and literally say that like that is for a straight audience. This is for straight <laughs> people to watch and be like, yeah, this is normal. No, that is gay, gay all the way. Gay. Guys running around in cutoffs. Yeah, cutoff shirts. And I feel fun- I feel hot in cutoffs. I wear cutoff jeans and like I feel hot. No, like, totally. That's the. A- we need to bring them back. We need to bring out these like short shorts. We need to come back. Oh, they're back. I, we were we were just at a cutoff <laughs> night at a bar they're, like a few months back. ago. So yeah. yeah. 
the gays are bringing it back. Mm, yes, we the need it back. the rest of the world to like kind of with chubbies. They're embracing the short shorts. Everyone just needs to wear short shorts. It's just. I want to. I want to bring on. back oiled up men in short shorts Ooh, and just walking mm-hmm. around everyday life. Like that's <laughs> just you know where it's just like, are you sweaty or are you? No, it's just oil. Just oil. Put oil on my body before yeah. I leave. <laughs> it's good for the skin. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, it keeps you youthful. But yeah, all of these, all of these guys in this movie, it just reminds me of when I look at pictures from when my parents were young in like the early '80s, and I just see. Just what my dad looked like, all of his friends, and just like all of them, just yeah, wearing these, wearing these cutoffs, super <laughs> there cute. Is something, yeah, there there's something very charming like, about it. There is something like, I mean, I I'm not in praise of the '80s because that was such a horrible time in America, but like yeah. there is something like beautiful in Innocent. that, like. And in, a, in that innocence yeah. of like, you know, gay men or like straight men embracing a Farrah Fawcett hair <laughs> and it's like, and, and it not, or like wearing cut off jeans and it being like, yeah. oh no, that's just what we did in the eighties. And now we're like, yeah, dad, that was super gay. Like, yeah. you know, but back mm-hmm. then they were just like, yeah, men can wear short shorts and you show know, off their legs. I and, find yeah. it so interesting that in the eighties we had this rampant 50s nostalgia sure right it was everywhere mm-hmm. i mean even with the very first friday the 13th it's like it starts off in this 50s scene of of this camp you know with oh, yeah, the, the camp the mm-hmm. the the diner yeah the, all the music that's and playing on the background and it's, yeah. and it's very much and it's very much i mean if you look at the way it's the movie is structured even the first one i mean it's a drive-in film yes like, sure it's a drive-in movie. Yeah. It's the, yeah i mean it's Indeed. it's the equivalent of like horrors at party beach where it's yes. just like you no know, teenagers dancing and well, then a monster the 80s was over. like the last time that like the drive-ins really were rampant yes. really yeah. like, that was the last like full. time yeah. really and now they're kind of more yeah. niche thank god for that's the only positive thing i will say for covid is that at least it got people <laughs> it more interested the in the drive-in, drive-in that's the one positive that was, i will ever say about that was COVID. pete and i's one. only theatrical experience in 2020 is that we yeah, went to our drive-in. neighborhood drive-ins like eight times yeah so okay, so the eighties. I'm going had... to drive in tomorrow to see Halloween. So awesome. you know, <laughs> it works. So so the eighties had this fascination with the fifties, and I think it was filmmakers that were a certain age that were yeah. just like those were the good old days. And it's so crazy that now there is this kind There's of this 80s, nostalgia for the eighties. Yeah, that's yep. just been blowing up the past few years. Yeah, well, it's because the mid aughts are now back in style. And that's, I think, when we start... That's when we, us, our generation, was obsessing about the 80s. So, you know, so Gen Z's obsessing about the early 2000s, which is us obsessing about the 80s. So that's (laughs) kind of why the 80s is, like, now kind of because of the early 2000s. So it's like a weird... But also a lot of filmmakers that are, you know, filmmakers that are making projects now it's their youth that they're thinking about Mm -hmm. you know just like george lucas and you know all these people that you know made american graffiti that morphed into happy days that morphed into just like all of this 50s nostalgia it's it's just happening all over again but with the 80s but the 50s was that good old days time period but like you said jackson the 80s was kind of fucking trash you know like it oh it's the worst i mean i i I will go on record and say i really am anti this boom of 80s nostalgia like even even the like you know putting back to the future back in theaters it's like why are we celebrating 
the Why 80s. do we want to watch our moms get raped? No. <laughs> well, it's like, well, and, and to your point, Pete, I mean, it's like, you know, what are we actually idealizing? Yeah. And like, even, uh, you know, it's like with that aesthetic. and mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just aesthetic. It's like, Ooh, Ooh, this guy, you know, guys could wear jeans back short, then, short. Back, short shorts back then. And it's yeah. like, okay, but like, People dying of AIDS, people doing all this. So, yeah. Know, people died of AIDS because of our government, because Ronald Reagan literally said, look pretty, but do as little as possible. Yeah. When they found out that it was an epidemic, and they're like, it's only affecting gay people. Let's just, yeah, yeah. not do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think for, for young people, they're just like, yeah, like you said, wow, bright colors and, you know, leg warmers and headbands, but they're not really seeing beyond that to what was actually going on. Yeah. Um, in the country and maybe well, these horror movies can we, kind of be something that represent what actually was going on <laughs> yeah you know, yeah because you, get, cause you no, get that's things, so true well you get things it's like so the, well you get things like the thing you get things like yeah. you know the, the but the thing was not loved in the 80s it was well, it, we yeah, love well, it I, now I, because I just, we, I, I just mean yeah, like pete was saying where it's sort of metaphors for those yeah. time where like the thing and the fly, especially, you know, being a, a metaphor for yeah. it and decay. So, um, but Friday 13th is interesting because again, it's like, that's when that also is interesting that we are, I mean, as horror fans and Pickens, I, I, I speak for, you know, I mean, I'm not speaking for you, but it's like as horror fans, we love it because of the campiness yes. and those campy eighties ones. But like when we look at, the franchise and then even things like Choppy Mall, it's like we're looking back on that Reagan era. Capitalism, where it's Reaganomics. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. With capitalism there's, and like There's so many documentaries well, about it. Well, like Blockbuster, yeah. it was the era of the Blockbuster film. I mean, yeah. like post Jaws, mm-hmm. it was yeah. like how could we just make a lot of profit by throwing a lot of money at this shit. And like, there were, you know, toys of Friday the 13th and, vi- and the video, <laughs> video game. Games. And the, yeah. It's just like, it, it became a star. Oh. The star rated franchises could be uh, advertised but, to children, but it was, I'm not, star- I'm was, surprised they didn't make an animated thing about Jason Voorhees <laughs> and little adventures. Yeah. Well, but it was, it was lately. like the star Wars of, of the horror genre. Like yeah. it was just like, everyone oh. was so excited and it, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. It was like this and the Freddy movies. And it's yeah. interesting of when you sort of compare and contrast a series like Friday the 13th, Halloween, and Nightmare, of that there is something about a franchise like Nightmare on Elm Street that New Line and the studio were dropping a lot of cash on that series in particular. And you could tell with Friday, Paramount was just like, here's a couple... Bare minimum. Here's like the bare minimum. Go make your movie. Like, do it in under two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's because the first one was only made under with five hundred thousand yeah. dollars. They Paramount was like, "Fine, we we're seeing this boom. We'll distribute this," and it became one of the highest grossing movies and the best profit margin. So they're like, "Okay, we'll double your budget. Here's a million dollars." They never really increase. You know, that's why they kept making them because they only gave them just enough to make the movie. These returns. When yeah, what, as you said, with Nightmare. You can tell they were putting so much money into that because of all the effects, and Halloween was kind of like in its own yeah. repertoire yeah. of just. So sometimes you got good product like part two and part three, 
sometimes you got really bad products like part six, you know, it was not, yeah. How, the, Friday the 13th is the most consistent. Sure. It's, like I will go in watching a Friday the 13th movie and I'll know, I know what I'm going to see. I'm going to, it's going to be consistent. It's going to be well-made. It's going to just check everything off the checklist I need in a slasher yeah. movie. And that's still a business model that studios like Blumhouse still do of that when oh, Blumhouse's yeah. productions are, we're going to maybe put $5 million into this movie and we'll gross it all back opening weekend. Exactly. Or, but like Malignant, for example, before I went yeah. to go see Malignant, because of how it was advertised to me, I was like already like, this is all the beats they're doing. There's like a, demo- there's like kind of like a possession. There's like a haunted house kind of thing. Then I saw it and obviously it was a campy masterpiece. <laughs> and I loved it, but you know, there's now a formula with Blumhouse films. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah, like I, I'm expecting what I'm going to see. Well, and that started with, that started with Saw, which, you know, was sure. the, the low, which budget is our Friday the 13th. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah. Which was the low budget that, you know, became the cult sensation and everything. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting how to, I just, Scott, to your point, like reading about, there was this article about Blumhouse that was like, isn't it so revolutionary? James Wan is like not spending a lot of money and like only caring about kills and scares. And <laughs> no, I was like, that's the horror genre from the beginning of time. Yeah. Because oh, but, no also, sh- but also this was doing it. And like Roger Corman was doing it yeah. in the 50s. It yeah. was like, it was yeah. all like, you know, it's all about like, how do you make money with Cheap thrills? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and if you talk to any of our friends that work in production and like art departments and like on set, they usually don't have very nice things to say about Blumhouse because I think that Blumhouse's reputation is that they don't spend a lot of money and they will short you on, $5 million on stuff like overtime when you work. The maximum is what they'll spend. It's five million wow. is uh, a, a big budget for them. And like they will short you on stuff like overtime when you're on set. Ugh. So it's like they do Yikes. kind of screw yeah. out their crew when it comes to budgets and like financing, yeah, and paying people. Well, and hot take: I don't like what they've done to the horror genre. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I really they've made. I on my grinder and Tinder profile, I I mentioned like, tell me your favorite horror movies, and I unfairly do judge, but I do have a. a when someone says The Conjuring is one of their favorite horror movies, I know that they're not actually a horror movie because <laughs> it's it's fine, but like, come on, that's that's your decision is The Conjuring. If they say The Conjuring three, so... then they're really <laughs> they're yeah. Really... I'm, I'm, gonna put, it's like... I'm gonna put Who's Your Favorite Himbo in the Friday Thirteenth series. There you go. This, that's so. very much. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Who's your favorite himbo? I, dude, I, <laughs> I love, love that term. I love so that much. you straight men so upset, oh, and yeah. I'm like, yes, that's the point. They're not here for it. I love that you brought up the uh, video games and <laughs> the like ultra marketing, especially for Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, I know the new video game is is uh, is pretty good, but the original NES was, Friday the Thirteenth. Was. was there a remaster of it, or what's what's wrong with it? No. The lawsuit um, between the original, so the original writer is suing about Sean Cunningham, yeah. and basically because he's like, I invented the character Jason without 
my original creation, you wouldn't have this. So they, they've been in this lawsuit. It finally got settled. He actually did win. The original writer, writer mm-hmm. won the lawsuit. But because of that, that's why the franchise has been on hiatus because they were not allowed to release any new property. And the video game was affected by it because they had these plans to like do like a Jason X level and like right. all this other stuff. And they had to like halt all of it. And now no one's playing the video game anymore. But it was really fun. Ah, I see. Which is sad. Have you guys mm-hmm. ever played the Super Nintendo game of it? Is it for Super Nintendo <laughs> no, or just, just regular? NES. NES. NES one? Yeah. Yes. Ooh, it's bad. That's a doozy. The, the angry video game nerd. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is my nostalgia. The Angry Video Game Nerd is this guy that reviewed bad yep. old video games, did an episode on it, and I thought it looked actually kind of cool. And I tried it. It is garbage. It's bad. But apparently it's fun if you know how to play it. I still have not learned how to play it. and it's I do have it, though, actually. But, <laughs> no. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess there's a formula to it, but it is boring. Now, was there a an anthology television series of Friday the 13th in, like, the 80s or the mm-hmm. 90s? Wow. That they would just oh. do standalone episodes? Freddy's Nightmares style? Yeah. Was there? Yeah, Freddy's Nightmares and Friday the 13th, the series. Yeah. Okay. And it was... I haven't... I've only watched, like, a handful of episodes. It's fine. I mean, that's probably the it's- direction that they're going to take when they finally clear up all these lawsuits and they can start making more content. They're probably going to go on a streaming platform with it. It'll, it'll go. That, it'll actually. go. Yeah. Friday the 13th series. I'd, I'd actually be down for that. Like, like maybe, like... Every season is about a new group of campers that go to Camp Crystal Lake, and maybe it's oh, oh, see, the war of Camp I Crystal think, Lake. See, or... I, think, I think there's gonna do a Bates Motel, and like, how did Mrs. Voorhees? Oh and yeah, come back? or that I'd be down for that too. I would like to talk a little bit about the backstory. Well, okay, of so here's these movies. Here's here's a question. It's very interesting. Here's a question: Little boy hmm. Jason, little seven year old drowned in the lake, Jason. He's He's deformed? Yes. He's deformed before yes, he goes he's in. A he's, hermaphrodite he's a hermaphrodite in the canon of the what? series. Oh, I was, I was just thinking like special needs Wait, kid. Wait, you mean like intersex? That's the, that's the term that Tom Savini, the makeup artist who created the look of Jason, used. He said he's a hermaphrodite. What's the, what's the more like PC in, term in, for... Intersex. For like, okay, intersex? intersex. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, probably intersex or deformed, like, yeah, neglected. So, the only backstory we have is through uh, Betsy Palmer's backstory that she created. So, she was a product of the 50s. She was virginal. She had sex, had a baby. She had to hide it, which is why Jason's at the summer camp when she's there, because she doesn't want people to know that she's the child but he's bullied because he's deformed looking and all that stuff. And then she goes on this, you know, she kills the counselors that weren't paying attention to Jason because she thinks he's dead. Jason actually survives the drowning. And then he, she tries to resurrect him with the Necronomicon. She thinks it doesn't work. (laughs) It does work. And that's how he's been able to live the whole time. Okay. So if you read the comic books, there's a comic book being that, she tries to resurrect him with the Necronomicon, which becomes Ash versus Jason versus oh, the. Lord. I mean, I dead. guess I oh, guess this is God. the Hulu series Oof. that's going to be coming out. Oof, this is crazy. 
I didn't get I didn't get any of that from this movie. No. So, uh, no. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, no, no, no. If you watch the movies, did, you won't I get. Did read, I did read, and I did notice this too, where it was like there, and I was reading about it this morning, where in this one, yeah, this like okay, he he drowned, but he's still alive. But he was a boy, but he's like now kind of grown in five years. Like, since well, basically, what we have years. to know is that. This is all a uh, all a product of Sean S. Cunningham was obsessed with Carrie, and he said we need a Carrie ending for the first movie. So they said, "How about Jason, the kid that out. Mrs. Voorhees was talking about, shows up?" Okay, cool. And then Paramount was like, "You have less than a year to make a movie. We need a movie, a sequel." And they panicked and were like, okay, let's say Jason is actually alive. And then, right. you know, so I in always, real life, it's all I always took up. it that the the child Jason jumping out at Alice was a figment of her imagination because she's seeing him mm-hmm. as little boy Jason because that's how Mrs. Voorhees is describing him. Right. But yeah. really, this yeah. happened in the 50s. And now that it's the 80s, Jason would be, you know, a, a grown man. Right. <laughs> And they kind of they kind of do that in part eight that Jason can kind of retract to his childlike oh, form geez, oh, wow. because oh, he does God. do that in part eight. So technically, he may have been manifesting himself as a child oh, in part God. one right. because he does do that in part eight. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know if it's that e- or that. I don't. I don't know if they put that much thought into I, it. I agree. They did it. No, no, no. They did it. <laughs> this is. This is. This is fan theory yeah. to make the story make yeah. sense. Sure. The other right. the other thing about these uh franchises from the 80s, uh especially Friday the 13th and Halloween where we're dealing with you know for all intents and purposes a person, you know Freddy is a nightmare creature from mm-hmm. our dreams and he's mythical beyond the veil. Mm-hmm. But yep. but Jason and and Michael Myers are real people, right? In this movie, he gets this machete down his shoulder into like so deep into his body. He gets a few nicks with the chainsaw. You know, he gets nicked with the chainsaw. This person, if this is an actual physical corporeal person, will not survive the wounds from this movie. And then moving forward, he becomes a little bit more supernatural until ultimately he is just resurrected he's by teleporting. And yeah, he's teleporting. He's te- <laughs> he is all over the yeah. place. So that, that well, I think I think realism is out when he goes to space. But yeah. that's just me. Yeah. Uh, oh, he was already supernatural. By that point, here's, he was the interesting yeah. thing. Here's the interesting thing. My favorite reading of Friday the 13th, and it makes sense for later, is um, I forget who it was. It might have been like in Men, Women, and Chainsaws or something, but there was a mm. writer who wrote that Jason is God oh. because he is, he right. is, or, or a form of a God because he he is so associated with. Um, storms and Ooh. rain and the the elements Ooh. and you know okay. is, pun- is punishing of of sinners for having sex and stuff like that and I thought that was just really interesting because of especially see, again, how he I go back to that though I don't think he punishes people for having sex like yeah I think in the later ones he does but like Jimmy obviously had sex and. Alice was definitely banging um, the camp counselor, mm-hmm. uh, Steve Christie, in the first one. Like, yeah. it was clear they were having sex. I just think that it just became such a thing that people read into when really it was like, like John Carpenter, 
um, famously like posted about Lori Strode is like, it's not, she didn't survive because she was a virgin. She just survived because she was more aware of her situ- of her yeah. surroundings than her friends were. And yeah, they were probably more focused on getting laid than she was, but it wasn't that she was a virgin is why she survived. Yeah. But also in the very first like movie, but also in the very first movie, it's they kind of set up that the whole reason that he wasn't being looked after was because those two were banging in the attic. They were too busy making love. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a hoe. Just- I want to. I want to support my hoeism, and I want to survive a horror movie, and that's why I'm always <laughs> you can, like, you can I don't like this both. virgin narrative. You can have yeah. A both there's ways. this, but it's it's weird, right, Pete? Because like there's yeah. this weird, and it's like even thinking about it in the '80s, it's like there's still this weird like puritanical mm-hmm. American especially like, with that, women and there's yeah. still this like mm-hmm. 1950s yeah. idealism like even if it's like for fun we're watching these you know terrible hot kids getting killed it's like there's still this weird like you know but order is restored and morality <laughs> is you know like there's this, yeah. still this very like Eisenhower like but everything's gonna be okay in the end like yeah. and they, have you guys seen the movie Bay of Blood where the the sex scene uh spear through the bed which, uh death which scene was, was ripped which, off of well oh. which which was a so that was the Mario Baba film that Friday yeah Friday from 76 Friday 13th was made because of it so it's like a direct rip oh okay of, very interesting. yeah well just that death just that death scene but yeah, yeah right. that did death uh, Okay, giallos are definitely the forefront of slasher movies. The movies didn't have access to them. Yeah, 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 Mm -hmm. in the 80s especially. Uh, I like what you were saying about how, like, this, this, like, response to this Eisenhower kind of puritanical vision. Uh, What struck me about, not in this movie, I think it's in part four, the, uh, the hippie hitchhiker. Yes, oh, that's with the insane. banana. Yeah, yeah, with the banana. Yeah, I was just like, "What? What's wrong?" Like, okay, she's a hippie, big deal. So, I don't know. It just seemed a little like harsh that they had to specifically call out that she's just like this hippie hitchhiker girl, and she just like I don't yeah, remember. And also, that one. Texas Chainsaw Massacre quick. did a better job killing the hippie, like killing the hippie oh, movement yeah, yeah, yeah. with that movie. And you know, yeah, they did not totally. need this political commentary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. But um, okay, so we we should get back a little bit to Amy Steele and her like this. We talked a little bit about the the chase at the end. This movie so when good. when it starts going when yeah. the murders start, it's like when yeah. when they arrive back to the summer camp and they find out what's going on and they discover the bloody bed. Like it's off running in its third act. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it's like bam. Well, and I thought a brilliant. I actually I gasped. I was like, oh, that's really original. Like. When she puts on the shirt. Yeah. And uh, I actually was like, I was like, that's actually really fucking brilliant. So smart. Well, going back to the video games, both the NES and the new one that just came out, that is a a power you can have. You can put on the Pamela Voorhees sweater and you can determine. I thought, I thought what was interesting. Because, well, I thought what was interesting was it, it, I mean, of course that whole scene is like Norman Bates kind of, um, end of psycho you know do we see the dead mother and stuff like that so then to like put it on and yeah to have that power over him i thought that was just really i thought that was such a great 
scene. But you're right. I mean, the chase is so good, and and it's very it's very Texas Chainsaw, where it's just like one thing after another after another, and yeah. oh my god, I'm seeing all these dead bodies and my friends, and I still have to run. It's great. It's what so were you say? It's well, be... I think it's kind of clever that that's what always irritates me about those movies, though. It's like when like the dead body is like right outside the front door and they choose a way harder option to lead. They're just like, Oh, I'm walking away and going out the window or like going somewhere yeah. else instead. It's like, just jump over the body and just keep running. Like you'll be fine. Just, Oh my God. Go ahead. Scott. Well, I think it's kind of clever also that the character of Ginny earlier in the movie, when they're at the bar, there's this moment, there's this kind of, one of my favorite parts of the movie is when the character of Ginny is having some empathy for Jason, that she's yeah. really breaking down, like, what is that like? Is he just out there living by himself after this, like, tragic accident, everything that happened to his mom, like, trying to revenge him? So this character sort of has to get in the head of Jason to defeat him. Because she's a child psychologist. Yep. And she does when she puts the sweater on, and that's how she saves herself. And Amy Steele later went on to be a family psychologist, too. Did so she really? Maybe just a oh, little no. bit of this character rubbed off on Amy. How about that? Yep. Yes, she did. You'd be grown by now, right? Right. And you know, the only person I ever knew was his mother. Never went to school, so he never had any friends. But she was everything to him. Yeah. Deranged killer. <laughs> no, no, no. You're missing my whole point. I mean, I doubt Jason would have even known the meaning of death. Or at least until that horrible night. He must have seen the whole thing happen. He must have seen his mother get killed. And all just because she loved him. I mean, isn't that what her revenge was all about? Her sense of loss? Her rage at what she thought happened? Her love for him? Bizarre, isn't it? And he must be out there right now crying for a return. For resurrection. Well, what do you think? I think you're drunk. <laughs> But you know, if I'm in if I'm in that room with the decomposing head, the body stacked around it, you know this shack reeks. Sure, right? it's although oh. it, does, it does have a you flushing. Can smell toilet. it by looking at the image. Yeah. Like I can always whenever they go into Jason's shack, I can just smell what that looks like. Yeah. Although it it does have a flushing toilet. I don't how, know how, how does that how work? That I don't works. know. But I don't know. I had you know, I had the same question. I was like, wait. So she's there in this room. It smells disgusting. The head's all decroted. And she's like, I know. I'm going to put on this sweater, which ultimately saves her in the end. And she had the wherewithal to do it. But I, I'm not touching that damn sweater. That thing. Not even when Jason <laughs> is running re- after you, Pete. Reeks. Ugh. Give me the machete to the face. I mean, but she's she was crafty the whole time. You know, she was yeah, crafty she was. enough to remember Absolutely. the chainsaw was stored there. She uses the chair. Yes. You know, she's been crafty. So, like, yeah. I, I applaud, she, you know, desperate times when she pulls out desperate measures. That chainsaw. I, I and kind rips of, it. I kind of want her to. I thought that whole that whole scene where she's taking the chainsaw in there. It's like, and this movie does a good job with that because I, I was watching it. And foreshadowing it was like, and payoff. Well, it, yeah, it does a good job, like, foreshadowing a lot, which, you know, 
now slasher movies, it's like, oh, she has a butter knife and she's leaving it on the yeah. table, and then it's <laughs> lingering you know, or a like little too long. Thing where yeah. it's like, oh, this door's unlocked, and we remember that it's unlocked. So it's yeah, it does a it does a good job like establishing some like really good rules for horror films. Yeah. She needs mm-hmm. to hold on to that chainsaw. She should have kept, kept it. She should have. She should have kept it. Um, I know. Kill him. Like. <laughs> I love that uh, they brought in Betsy Palmer just to do a couple of these little lines mm-hmm. to, to superimpose the face. And yeah, she I was forgot gonna, that she did that. Yeah, scene. I was going to say I love that she also later on very Gwyneth Paltrow esque completely forgot that she was in the movie. Yep. <laughs> oh, is that a thing with with Betsy with, with Betsy Palmer? She said she only did like it was at a at a panel or something many many years later mm-hmm. at a con yeah. or something oh, like that. Oh, specifically number two, and they were like, I mean, that's so, understandable. So talk about the yeah. franchise, and she's like, Well, I only did one, and they're like, Well, uh, actually, you excuse were in me, Miss Palmer. <laughs> but again, they I mean, but I they don't brought her in, her. yeah, like. It was probably so because she's saying the same stuff that she said yes. in the first movie. Uh, you know, it was a, probably like a day of filming. Yeah. She didn't even know. have to go on set. It was in front of like black velvet so that they could do the thing where they cut out her head and put her on top of mm-hmm. Amy Steele. So it wasn't like truly going onto a set and acting in a movie. It was very much almost like a pickup shot for her. So that, you know, unlike Gwyneth Paltrow, who actually was in two Spider-Man movies. Spider-Man. Was like, yeah, no one should remember that. No one. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't. I do, apparently. Yeah. I do applaud Betsy Palmer for always being pretty, like, when now when she talks about the franchise, especially when she came in just being like, this is a piece of shit, you know, and then yeah. have her home address printed by Gene Siskel. I'm glad that she oh does, God. like, talk positively on the franchise especially now because she was like i went in just trying to get a car this is dumb i don't think anyone's going to see this and i do think now that it revitalized her career in that regard i like i like i like these movies in the 80s because of the cameos that are done and i know you all have talked about like even in like grease 2 and tap hunter yeah everyone comes back it's like but, you know, that we thought of them as so classic or that we yeah. think of them so classic, like, oh, my God, she's she's in she's in this. But then back then it was like she was kind of not really doing anything. Yeah. So she took whatever she could get. Yeah. So it's just those stakes like were so much higher back Looks then. Looks like, like, like Joan Crawford with oh, the so, so iconic now. So it's great. Yeah. yeah it looks yeah. like Joan Crawford with like the hag horror, you know, back in the day it was viewed as like negative that she yeah. was doing this. And now I think that's kind of like how our generation loves her because whatever happened to baby Jane and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, the past month when we went to Florida and we went to universal studios, we were just sort of like sitting around just like, what are we going to do? like on a Thursday night and the original Friday the 13th was just playing at their like Regal or whatever. So we went to it. Like we sat down in the movie theater and we watched the original Friday the 13th. One, yeah. And I do have to say the reveal of Betsy Palmer when you're sitting in the movie theater is kind of brilliantly done. Like I think oh, it's, it's, it's very, amazing, very clever. It's a really amazing scene because again, she plays so well. Well, and she's not. There's no indication that she exists. Yeah, yeah, at all. Yeah, at all. You see, Jason was my son, and today is his birthday. Where's Mr. Christie? Oh, I couldn't let them open this place again. Could I? 
after what happened. Oh, my sweet, innocent Jason. My only child. Like, and that's what I love about, like, even these old films and even, like, in rewatching Texas Chainsaw, it's just, like, the sheer randomness (laughs) of these slasher movies where it literally is, like, we're, like, it's just whatever comes next and the audience has to do it. And it's, like, and now we're introducing this woman, this older woman. And it, you know, there's, like, they were so not smart at, like, or self-aware, I should say, Mm -hmm. like. Horror movies are now. Oh, I think screen- even when my boyfriend watched the first one, when she showed up, she was just kind of like, okay, this is so someone's going to save them, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and was- then when it revealed that she was the killer, he was like, what? Oh, okay, guess she's the killer. Yeah. Dave. I was, was going to say, it's a plot device now that I think that modern audiences, especially modern horror audiences, would have a huge problem with. Oh, that yeah. I don't know if you yeah. could get away oh, with an ending like that uh, yeah, now. Yeah, it would be like, what the hell? This there's, is no, there's no evidence. Yeah. There's no clues. Yeah. I couldn't guess this yeah. from the but, beginning. And it's but like, even, but, yeah. but it's interesting that, like, even after that, now it's a device because even, like, the sheriff is in the in part two is pretty, yeah. like, you know, or the police guy, the older guy who mm-hmm. gets killed. Um, he's pretty like foreboding, you know, in yeah. the first shot, you know, uh, or the first uh, first scene after the flashback. And you're kind of like, oh, maybe that guy is the Jason, the right, this, the right. that. And, and then it's like, no, he gets killed immediately. Yeah. So I also love very specifically how Betsy Palmer is playing it when Alice comes running out and she's screaming and she's hysterical and she's very much yeah, like she, she's she's very motherly but she's also like okay all right shut up shut, let's go, let's right. go and, let's I'm go not afraid. what's going on you're fine yeah, yeah. calm down you're, that's you're the, overreacting that's, the, that's, the, that's like the brilliance of that character she's like she's almost like not not us, but she's you know she's realistic where she's yes. not giving any airs about anything. She's also like no 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 just talk. But it's also the fun of it. You find out that she's the killer when Alice finds out, yes. really, because yeah. like as she starts talking more, you're like oh, and Alice finds out the same time we do because she's like where's Mister Christie and she's like oh that's not necessary yeah and then she goes on this monologue about Jason. She's like oh you're actually crazy. Okay, <laughs> you're the killer. Gotcha. Cool. So I really love in this movie, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth, but the idea that Jason is keeping the severed head of his mother uh, on this shrine. But I love the fact that it wasn't like dummy heads never look great. Yeah. Right. It looks pretty good. Dummy heads always look Mm -hmm. fake. So this is clearly a person in makeup. Um, And I know Mm. that the idea was to have the head kind of wink. Now, are there cuts of this movie where it does wink? I remember as a kid that it did wink. Initially, we're like, no. Is it because I I was... That's so great to know because I was like, that looks like a real person. 
And in that last scene, I was like, is it going to be a, like, Ah, kind of like <laughs> and scream at us. I think thing. that was it the was original, original intention. And they yeah. were like, nope. And or there were cuts of it that they that. did have it like open its eyes. And they were just like, this is too silly. And it's one of those things that when I remember watching this movie as a kid, I remember it opening its eyes, but maybe it actually didn't. That's maybe your Mandela effect. Maybe I'm I don't just, think it ever did. Maybe it's like a weird Mandela, Mandela effect. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. But no. It, it, yeah, it looks it. it looks so much better because yeah typically in horror movies when there is a severed head it never looks great it always looks like a you know a doll head and so there are several extreme close-ups in this of it so you know to have it be a person in makeup works a little bit better but they probably just did it because ultimately they were going to have it wink or smile or whatever yeah and then wow, you know, really. but it, well, it, they were yeah. that was the whole point mm-hmm. and then they decided no too cheesy yeah for yeah. this movie too but it but it works out to have it be makeup it, it does work and it's it's like thinner it doesn't look yeah. it doesn't yeah. look like her but it's thinner because it is you know it's been however many what is it supposed to be five years in between five yeah yeah mm-hmm. so um so but it, I it thought, works out but i thought it would have worked better if it had opened its eyes or something like especially <laughs> i know i really did because when it ended it would have been scary ended, I, I literally went like i saw the credits and i went really that's it? Like, yeah. you're just going to show a close-up on a head? It's a freeze and like, frame, and then the zoom it's in. It's a fake-out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think it would have been that out of the box for it to for it to open its eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm happy but, they didn't. But that's also, like, I'm coming at it from this, like, Blumhouse, you know, like, oh, he's not really right, dead kind of right. thing. You well, know, also, or, yeah. the, you know, yeah. when, when they do get back to, you know, after... She stabs him, and he he cuts her leg, and they go back to the to the cabin, and she's sitting on the bed. When he breaks through from behind the window, and you see his full elephant man face, mm-hmm. yeah. D- again, did that really happen? Because there she is on a on a ambulance gurney, you know, moments later. So it's like, what? How did they get out of that? And what happened to Paul? Yeah, where what, is he? what happened to Paul? We see her what getting the muffin. Did Muffin actually die? Oh, Muffin! Yeah. I am glad the Muffin. <laughs> I think Muffin died. At I least, think died. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I this is what this is my hot take on it. I do think she envisioned that last part, and then she was sprung from reality, aka waking up right. from being the paramedic thing, and Jason coming through the window was her like her like wake up yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. So I do think she was doing that last part, and maybe Paul just was already put in another. Well, he didn't really need an ambulance. Maybe he's just mm. he's just around there. Somewhere. He got fucked up though. He got fucked up. Oh yeah, Jason did kind of strangle him for me. Yeah, okay. So maybe I'm, he's in an ambulance yeah. somewhere. I mean, there needs to be like a post credit sequence of Ted. Like I don't know, like tied to a bed I, with this bartender, <laughs> like gag, ball gag, yeah. ball yeah. gag, all that, all that. I love it. Yeah, that would be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or just, and or then just, just Jason comes in with, uh, yeah, yeah, anyway. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, I love it. Love Ted, man. I mean, I mean, we need to do like merch movies that made us gay merch of like the men of Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> Yeah, I would yeah. a calendar something. <laughs> I mean, Kevin yeah. Bacon shirts, yeah, is totally. going to be like the month Absolutely. of January. <laughs> uh, Russell Todd's probably going to be like a December. We Ooh, have to okay, get like Crispin okay. Glover on there. Oh yeah, yeah. doing the iconic dance, dance he does. Yeah, oh. 
What did, what is what did, what was the joke that the other guy kept calling Crispin Glover a dead fuck? Dead fuck. Don't call me yeah. a dead fuck. Uh, <laughs> Put in the computer, bud. You're a dead fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and he wasn't though. He actually was apparently really great because he fucked one of the twins. The twins. Ugh, those mysterious twins. Love them. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's so much going on in these early Friday movies. Um Le- leading up to uh, what is it? A new beginning, which I'm just mm-hmm. not, not a fan of. A new beginning. I don't love personally. Yeah, yeah I really don't care for a new. Be- Tom, the yeah. guy that plays Tommy Jarvis in it is so hot. So oh, yeah. that's fine. And that's the one where they recast Corey. It yeah, was. He's from it was okay, the death. weakest plot in my opinion. Yeah, that uh, actor was in Return of the Living Dead. Um, when they recast, ah. him. yeah, he's he's great. Oh, he's from like the wraparound story in the morgue, yeah, or like the like what it keeps coming back to. All, All right, right. Yep. sure, yeah. So I mean, yeah, there's there's so much going on in this entire franchise. This movie in particular, like we said, has. Has some of the cutest boys, but there are cute boys in all of them. So we definitely yes. recommend yes. Uh, reaching out. I mean, we could really go on and on and talk about. Well, I remember we did when we got that box set from Scream Factory. Yeah. We did a re- we did a watch that we had never seen it of Jason Goes to Hell. Oof. And that movie, I hate Jason's it. not traditionally in, and there's like a weird AIDS allegory that the director has <laughs> interviews with that you're just like, oh my god, what is going? Oh, like, where it. does all of this That's, come from? Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's cringe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It doesn't even have like Friday the Thirteenth in the title, and that was right when New Line got Jason, but they couldn't really use any of the visuals. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's I liked, I, I do, I do like Jason uh, takes Manhattan. I think it's not. I mean, it's not, it's not the best, but it's just one of those like. It's like Super Mario Brothers, where it's like you have to watch it just to be like, God, they spent money on this and they like filmed this. Well, shit. and what's, what's and frustrating? Even, but even like Freddy versus Jason uh, is entertaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Freddy versus Jason is entertaining. I saw very dated. I saw Freddy versus Jason a double bill with that and Underworld at our town drive-in when I was in high school. (laughs) Oh my god! I thought you were going to say like the cell or something. Underworld that was so dark that you couldn't see a thing on the screen. (laughs) Oh, Underworld is not a drive-in. No, that's not a drive-in movie. Bad for the drive-in. But we had a lot of fun at at Freddy versus Jason, though. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was fun. It was. I, I. I now watch it with kinder eyes, but when I first watched it, I was like a teenager and I was very jaded. And I was just like, I hate that. This is not, this is not the franchise. <laughs> well, and like, and like, and like that was, that too was kind of ahead of its curve where it was like not into crossovers or different universes in like sure. horror stuff yet. And now it's like, that's all you do with like the Conjuring universe and now, um, yeah, uh, the Marvel, the Marvelfication, yeah, but I remember, I mean, I was too young when it came out, but I remember reading like the reviews of it was people were more upset, not that it was a bad movie, but that Freddie and Jason were like, like two horror franchises were, <laughs> yeah. were in the same movie, and like they were just like. Fuck you, Friday Thirteenth, and Friday Thirteenth people were like, "Fuck you, Nightmare on Elm Street," yeah. and how dare well, you? Well, to be fair, the writers of the movie were kind of like that. They were very like, "We're doing this. We don't give a shit." And 
it's pretty like it's pretty rude like what they like because kane hodder Mm -hmm. wasn't asked to be in freddy vs jason and it's so like you know and he was like i want to be in this and they're like no we're doing our own thing fuck (laughs) you well it felt very much like a nightmare movie that kind of invited jason to be part of it a special appearance of jason yeah it didn't really feel like a mixture it felt like this is another nightmare movie that is featuring Jason and we're going right. to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Well, and also the fact that you could go from Springwood, Ohio yeah. to uh, New Jersey camp crystal Lake in like an hour or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Some, some time element, which is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. But I mean, you know, we could, uh, everybody can release their definitive rankings of the Friday franchise where you know maybe part two won't be quite uh, at the top of the list, but your ranking maybe sexy boys wise it'll be top of the list, but we can rank it various ways. Yeah, best movie, scariest, goriest, sexiest. But I mean, yeah, part two. that's the that's the fall yeah. that's the fall bracket I want to be part of. Yeah, <laughs> everybody can release their own. Uh, <laughs> this this week but i mean yeah uh steve minor directed this one in part three steve minor later went on the direct halloween h2o which oh. is my one of my favorite sequels yeah, one, of, that's the one of the halloween one yeah that's one of the better ones yeah talk about yeah. talk about a good talk about a good fucking chase scene the chase scene in that is amazing i would argue the chase scene in part five though is the best Okay, I just mean the scene in the school is, is yeah, yeah, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the best set pieces in it, yeah. In yeah. Ooh, yeah, and Josh Hartnett's in it. So. <laughs> Josh Hartnett and those goat shoot bangs. Don't get me started. So we now know what our there. next movie is going to be. It's going to be <laughs> it's just H two O. Yeah. Well, I we did mean, a commentary for H two O. Yeah, but not for a full, our, not for a full our episode. Patreon, but not a full episode. Yeah. Um, does anybody have any final thoughts on? Uh, Friday part two before we wrap it up. Not necessarily yeah. on part two, but like if you just if you have not seen any of the Friday the thirteenth, watch the first four yes. for sure. Yeah. But like, you know, just watch them. Have fun. Regard if any of them. Go in with an open mind. Know that you probably know all of the cliches because they're kind of like who invented the cliches, mm-hmm. if we're being completely honest. Yeah. And just have fun with it. Absolutely. I, I would say support our friends at Scream Factory and get the box set. <laughs> yeah, we have the box which set. Is, it's beautiful. Which is, which is on sale right now for like Ooh. $100 now. Awesome. They like really reduced the price because I just got it now. Very nice. Heading into this holiday yeah. season. Um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The first four really do work well uh, as kind of like a a nice little set, you know, nice little quadrilogy, if you will. After that, it starts getting a little kooky. Like but... they could have walked away after four, and it would have been <laughs> yeah, like job well done. They were supposed yeah. to until it made money. Yeah, yeah. I oh. m- like my final thoughts are: if you have a chance to see any of these movies in the theater, Ooh, yeah. definitely do Seek it because it I was impressed when we saw the first one. How scary it was yeah. seeing it in the it's theater! Very scary. I feel and like I, way, to, I, to your point, Scott. Mm-hmm. Like the jump scare at the end works great. It works so yeah. well. Like it does so great in the theater, especially because so, so many people don't know it's actually happening. Because a lot of people like, with the screen factor haven't really seen the first one and they do forget that Mm -hmm. Jason's not even really in the first one. Mm -hmm. So it is a great, you're right, Jackson. It's a great 
ooh, it gets it's, you. And it's you a good, it's a good movie to watch with a crowd. But yeah, yeah really it's kind of one of those movies that I don't think that I would have gotten those suspenseful parts if I was sitting at home and watching it. So I think yeah. there's something yeah. to be said about watching it on the big screen. And Pete and I noticed that that summer camp from the first movie, when you see it on the big screen, that summer camp looks old. Like, Dirty. you can really see that, oh, this summer camp that they shot at was falling apart and has probably not been in operation since, like, the early 60s. Literal, literal. Uh, well, it was a real operational Boy Scouts camp. Yeah, but so, yeah. They're, they're literally in shacks. Yeah, like, shacks. Like, there's yeah. nothing... I mean, I mean, I think the the running toilet in the second one is the first time I saw a running <laughs> toilet in that. Yeah, somebody's gonna get tetanus. <laughs> <laughs> really, really. We had a um, an abandoned Boy Scout camp outside of my hometown in the mountains Ooh, that we would go there in high school. And what party and drink? And party, yeah. Oh, People scary. used to go party. I remember going there right after graduation. I know. We did not no get massacre. murdered no to massacres. my disappointment. <laughs> yep. Some of those kids. Scott, oh, Scott was the final girl. Yep, I, yeah, I was the final I, girl. I was the only one that made girl. it out alive. Oh, man. That's amazing. Well, you guys, boys, this has been so Pickens, much fun. We'll have to have you on. Yeah. So much, thank you so we'll much for having We'll have to have you on again. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Thanks for we'll coming. Talk about, we'll have to talk about other movies. Yes, indeed. Yes, you indeed. mentioned Slumber Party Please. Massacre. Pete and I have only seen the first one. Yes. <gasps> have you not seen the second one? No. <laughs> not yet. Okay. We have to do Slumber Party Massacre, Love too. Love yeah. it. Love it. It is the definition of camp. All right. Please, if you do <laughs> Slumber Party Massacre, too, I'm here. Excellent. Great hot, you great got hot it. guys in that one, too. You bet. Oh, man. Very hot guys. Awesome. Yes. All right, boys. Well, we'll de- we have homework. We have our homework to do. Yeah. We will be in touch for that one. But until then, thank you so much. It's time to say thank our goodbyes. You. We'll see you next Bye. time, everybody. Thanks. Bye. And thank you so much for listening, everybody. Fun episode. Yeah, great. I love this franchise. I love this movie in particular. This box set that we own is so much fun to revisit of just to pick one. A lot of stuff on there. One like Friday night yeah, yeah. with some beers and watch them. If you can afford it, go out and grab it. I know it's a little pricey. The set goes right on now, sale a lot too. It does go on sale like a we lot, mentioned. Like like pick and said. So it's a good investment. So put it in your put it in your wish list and keep checking and every now and then it'll go down. It, it usually goes down around the holidays. So so check that out. But um, another great episode in the can, and I think it's time for Patreon shout out. Patreon shout out. <laughs> Well, you guys, head over to www.patreon.com slash movies that made us gay. You can become a patron like our good friends Travis, Esperanza, Nicole, Susan, Barry, JJ, Brandon, Leighton, Shelby, Merle, Charlie, Heather, Paul, Jamie, Drew, Jimmy, Genevieve, Don, Josh, Emma, Melly, Aaron, Melinda, and Jim, Jessica, Nick, and Shannon, Christine, and Rafino. Thank you for being. Thank you guys so much. We'll probably do one more commentary before the end of the month, and yes. we have to start working on this month's newsletter. Yes, indeed. We we're, to, we'll put in some fun October gonna get stuff. At least one more commentary for October, maybe two if we have the time. And um, working on the newsletter right now, so that'll go out. Uh, patrons, check your inbox when the newsletter goes out, but we'll also be posting a link to it directly on the Patreon feed, so you can just uh, click on it there. And that link is really cool because it also has links to 
all the back issues. So you can check yeah. that out, patrons. Um, yeah, you can uh, grab some additional content like those newsletters, like those commentary tracks. Lots of fun over on the Patreon. So check it out. Mm-hmm. We'd also love it if you would rate, review, and give subscribe. Give us five stars, please. Yes, indeed. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Rate our show. Write us a review. We'll read it on the mm-hmm. show like we did last time. We love when you guys do that. You can follow us on Instagram and uh, Facebook at Movies That Made Us Gay. At, and on Twitter at NTMUGPod. Yes, indeed. My name is Pete. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Peter Lasagna. I'm Scott Youngballer on Instagram, Oscar Scott on Twitter. And Scott Youngbar and Letterbox. Yes, indeed. See what I'm watching. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, we shall see you soon. Until next week. Bye. Bye.